turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is a um, chapter I, when I've done 1 Corinthians before, um, I've skipped it. In fact, this is going to be the first time I've actually taught on it, on 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because there's so much in chapter 8, and it goes into chapter 9 that I usually don't, I just usually, just because of time and trying to get through 1 Corinthians, that we kind of skip over uh, what's in there. But um, I'm not going to do it this time, okay? So I felt like the Lord wanted me to go ahead and, and t- talk on this, even though there's some repetitive things that are in here from chapter 8. But uh, there's something that I want you to see, and this is what I feel like the Lord is going to have us do. And I, I don't believe it's going to take too long to do this unless I get on bunny trails. So just pray I don't get any on bunny trails today, okay? And if I do, help me out because I'm stuck and I can't get out. But anyway, I won't get there. Anyway, so chapter 9, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now Paul here is um, going to be denying himself for the gospel. That's the whole part of this Whole, what God is doing in Paul here in the Corinthian church, but he has to defend some things going on here. And, uh, and so uh, turn your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 1, and here we see this. He says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? And if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now, so remember the context here. Remember, the, the Bible was n- never written in chapter and verse. Men put that in there. So they're, they're, they're the flow in this letter is from chapter 8 to chapter 9 here. And so the context was this. Paul addressed the Corinthian Christians about their right, based on knowledge, to eat meat sacrificed to idols in a, in, in at, at from, buying it from the temple. So should we eat the meat? And Paul says, well... There is no other God, so it's just, it's just about meat. It's not they sacrifice to no one. There is no other gods but one, and that is God himself with the Jesus, his son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, you can go ahead and eat the meat, but, of course, he does some other things. If you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you to go um, online and listen to that later after this service. Don't do it now, but later after this service. Amen? And, uh, and so Paul asked here, asked him to let go of their right to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, even as he has to let go of his own rights as an apostle. And that's what Paul has done here in Corinth. In, in Corinth. But Paul's also going to use this occasion to defend his apostolic um, gifting, that he's a, he is an apostle. And so he's, 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 because there's some Corinthian Christians there that don't believe in him that he is their apostle that he is an apostle at all and the reason probably they don't believe that he is an apostle is because they don't like what he's saying right so listen anytime you stand up for the things of god the enemy is always going to go after your identity He's always going to come after your identity. And that's what he's doing to Paul right here. He's coming after his identity as an apostle. Who are you? And that's what's happening here. He has to defend his um, apostolic authority here. Even though he's the one that brought the gospel to the Corinth. He's the one that, that started the church in Corinth. He's the one that's done. He's, who's, who's trained up the people in Corinth. He's the one that has done this. He says, so am I not apostle? Now, back in those days... An apostle was somebody who knew Jesus, who, who actually 
had a relationship with Jesus in some way. Now, Paul, of course, didn't, didn't follow Jesus. Remember, he was, he was Saul, and he, what he was doing, he was persecuting Christians, killed Christians, until the road to Damascus. And that's when he met Jesus, right? Um, he uh, was blinded um, by the glory of the Lord, and, uh, uh, and that's where he began to meet Jesus. So, of course, back then... The apostles in Jerusalem believed that he was apostolic because of what Jesus had done with them. Now, let me tell you about the word apostle because that's not something that we use all the time. The word apostle comes from an old Greek word, apostolos. And that that Greek word is is about an admiral in the navy. That's what it means. This admiral in the navy had a bunch of ships. And when the Greeks would go out... They would send this admiral with a bunch of ships, load it with supplies, load it with people or settlers, and they would go out and they would find an uncivilized area of this world. Okay, And so what they would do in this uncivilized area, now this could be people that, that, were, um, that were just not like Greeks. So Greeks were, were famous about what? Taking over places. So they had the army with them and everything else. And so the Greeks would go out, this admiral would go out with these bunch of ships and they would travel and find this place and locate territories where civilization was non-existence. And so what they would do, they would land there, um, they would uh, take over that area, they would uh, settle down in that area, and then they would work as a team to establish a new community. And they would begin the, the part of transforming that area into that Greek lifestyle that they were wanting to do. And that's what it means to be an apostle. And that's where we get our word apostle from, is somebody who is sent out to transform an area. Okay, And it's a sent one. And so this is the apostolic working of an apostle here. And so, so when that apostle, that admiral would speak, they would take it as someone who was speaking just like the king. So whoever sent the apostle out, the admiral out, whenever he spoke and whatever he did would be the same words as it was coming from the king. And that's the same thing that was happening with with the apostles of that day. When they spoke, that's why they wanted them to be with Jesus. When they spoke, it was like the words of Jesus coming out of their mouth. Okay, And that's how highly respected that they were. But they did have, every single one of them had people coming against them uh, during this time. All of them did, including Paul, and that's what was happening here. So Paul was their apostle. He's the one that actually came in. He, on his missionary journeys, he came there and he established a church. And that church in that region was supposed to really transform that whole that whole area, and that's what began to happen as they started that church. Now, remember, the original command of the Lord was to Adam and Eve, right? And it was to go and ha- have what? Dominion. That, that, uh, that uh, command has never ended. Has never stopped. We, as a church, is supposed to have dominion. We are supposed to be planted here in Blue Springs and transform the area around us. That's what we're supposed to do into the kingdom of God, into the thinking of the kingdom of God, into the ways of the kingdom of God. That's the whole goal of the church. We don't, we don't need to back down from that. And that's what, what Paul was saying here. He says, I am your apostle. I'm the one who did this. I was, I'm a sent one by Jesus himself sent me to do what, what we're doing Today And so that's what he was doing here. So Paul begins to assert his rights as an apostle. Look at verse 3. He says, My defense to those who examine me in this, 
Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do other, as also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So he says, my defense. So Paul, Paul now asserts his rights as an apostle as if he was a lawyer arguing his case. So he uses two words here. He uses the words defense and he uses uh, the word examine. And those, those Greek words that he uses there are usually words that are only used in a court of law. And so Paul is, is defending his case. He feels like he's on trial here with some of these uh, Corinthian Christians. And he feels like he's on trial. He's, he feels like he's probably, I'm already found guilty by these Christians already that they don't believe that I'm an apostle. So he's, he's really defending his case. And Paul, like all the other apostles, had the right to eat, had the right to drink. And even at the expense of the church. And that was what was going on here in chapter 9. So Paul, he has rights as an apostle, like all the other apostles do, to have a wife, to, to eat and drink. But here's what he does. This is what I want to get at. So he's defending his, his case here. But here's what Paul's real heart is. Paid or not paid, to eat or to drink, or to be treated like the other apostles, it didn't matter to him. What mattered to him was the work of the gospel. What mattered to Paul was that the gospel, gospel not be hindered in any way. So if Paul was willing to deny himself of such an important rights as an apostle, so the good of the gospel, so the gospel could go forth, then the Corinthian Christians should do the same thing. So they should deny their right to eat meat if need to be, so that the gospel would go forth. And that's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians. He says, I have all these rights. I am an apostle. I have all these rights to do that. I have all these rights to support it. You've got to understand that Paul was a tent maker in Corinth. And he refused support of the local church because he wanted to do something. He felt like the Lord told him to do something else, to be a tent maker. And so what he did there, now, now the Jews were all about that. Because the Jewish uh, uh, people there and the Jewish Christians, they loved people who worked with their hands. But the Greeks didn't like that at all. Because they, they had other people who worked with their hands. They had slaves. And so they had other people who did that. And they are all about knowledge and all about wisdom. So Paul decides to go against that knowledge and wisdom and work with his hands and, and give them a better example. Now look down at verse 19. Now here, here's the core of what Paul's doing that. Okay? He says, verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Probably the greatest apostle. I mean, that's arguable. But that one of the greatest apostles. He says, I've, I'm free from all men, but I've made myself a servant. Now, in this day and age, and this is where I can get on rabbit trails and, and someone rescue me if I had to go too, too long on this. We have the thing we call the fivefold ministry gifts, and it's and I'm going to be talking about that probably next year. I think we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. I can't promise you, but I think that's where we're going next year. Um, but in the book of Ephesians, it talks about Paul says God gave gifts unto men, and these gifts are these fivefold ministry gifts: the prophet, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. But a lot of times we use those things, and we, and I tell you what, in America we love titles, don't we? We love titles. I like, we like to be called, we want that title of apostle. We, and, and really, it's pride. 
Most of it's pride. Not everybody. But I, you, you don't know how many people have come up to me after a service on a Sunday that are new, maybe new here. And they said, I'm called to be your, your apostle. I'm called to be your prophet. And I says, well, if you want to do that, then you have to wash my feet. And I don't let anybody touch my feet, so this is what you're going to have to do. You, <laughs> you go through the growth track, and you serve the people. And then let God let your gifting come up inside of you, right? So no, no one comes up to me like that. So don't ever do that because I'm going to tell you where you need to do. You're going to go clean the toilets, right? Every one of our elders and staff clean toilets and clean toilets, and they have done it. In fact, if you ever want to be an elder here, um, don't ask me to be an elder. That's one thing you don't do. If you want, if you want to be an elder, serve. Be an elder. If you want to be an apostle, be an apostle. You don't need the title. If you want to be a prophet, prophesy. Right? If you want to be evangelist, evangelize. But this is what it says in Ephesians. Paul takes it and says, I'm getting in this rabbit trail and no one's telling me to stop. <laughs> Paul, Paul says this in Ephesians. What he says, those fivefold ministry gifts, what are they for? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry. So Paul, he's the example, and we don't, we, we don't get that here because we want, call me pastor. I, I mean, I've seen people who, who got the title of pastor, and they go out, and they, their whole countenance changes. You can call me Sean, okay? You can call me Pastor Sean if you want. I don't make people call me anything. So. I, I, I answer to Sean, and, and my wife has a few other names for me, but anyway... <laughs> But this is the heart, and I want, this is why I'm doing chapter 9, and I didn't skip it. Because I want you to see the heart of Paul. He says, for, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that, why? that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be all, by all means save some. Now this I do, this I do, for, he says, for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. This is what it means to be a minister of God. This is what it means to be an apostle. This is what it means to be a prophet. This is what it means to be an evangelist. This is what it means to be a teacher. This is what it means to be a Christian. That I lay down all my rights so that the gospel can go forth. I lay down everything so people can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I lay it down. He says, I'm free from all men that I might win the more. Paul was free to do what he wanted to do, but bringing people to Jesus was more important to him than using his freedom selfishly. So do I eat the meat? Maybe. But if it stops the gospel from going forth in somebody's life, I don't eat. 
If it stops the gospel from going forth, I don't go there. I don't go here. I want the gospel to go forth. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That is the most important thing. That is what, that's what it means to be a believer, that I'm more about Jesus and his, his word going forth than anything else. And that's what Paul is saying here. Amen. And Paul did this. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 21, verse 23, Paul participated in a Jewish purification ceremony, even though it was not necessary for him to do so. He did it in the hope that it would build a bridge of ministry towards the Jewish people there. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, Paul had Timothy. Now, Timothy was not a, not a, not a kid. He was, he, was a, he was a young man, maybe in his 20s. And so Paul had Timothy circumcised again. Not because it was necessary, but because it could be helpful in getting ministry done with the Jewish people. That would be like me saying, Patrick, I need you to do something. <laughs> for the gospel, is, I, it take one for the team. Okay, Patrick? <laughs> we should just do that anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> take one for the team, buddy. Anyway, um, it's all about the gospel. And that's what he was saying here. I've become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now Paul isn't saying he's changing his doctrine. He never changed his doctrine. He doesn't change the message to appeal to the different groups. But he would change his behavior and his manner of approach. Because he wanted to save people. He wanted to give them the gospel. And if eating meat was stopping them or him getting paid or, or, or him uh, doing whatever, all of his rights that he had, his freedoms. I think what we've done here in, in America is that because we, we know we have freedoms, but we also have freedoms in Christ, even in Christ. That we've taken them selfishly and we've made it a wall to stop people from coming to the Lord. Because we're not willing to give up those freedoms for others. And Paul, Paul, Paul is like that. Now, one thing I believe that hinders most believers in doing anything is pride. But also is the fear of man. You've been lied to that you're supposed to be quiet and not rock the boat. And that's not what Paul's saying here. That you're not supposed to offend. Jesus offended a lot of people by his words. And what I mean by offend, offended. He didn't do anything wrong to them. He didn't say anything wrong. He did everything in love and perfection. We were offended and we should be offended because we have sinned. And so he, Paul's not saying that, 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 he's saying that, no, we need to stand up and we need to believe and we need to, 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 to say what God has said. We need to stand up for his word and stand up for Jesus and, and, um, and God. He's not saying that we're not supposed to stand up, but what he's saying is maybe in your standing that you release some things. Maybe as you stand up and you speak to make sure that you're doing the same things that you're speaking and not be hypocritical. Maybe in the standing that the people say, look at you and says, this is a, a man, this is a woman 
that has laid down their life for me. I may not agree with them, but I honor them in that. I'm laying down my life. Instead of just holding on to your freedom so much that it's become a stumbling block to other people, right? And listen, let me tell you something. That doesn't, it takes, it's, it takes us laying down our lives to preach the gospel of Jesus. We have to lay down our lives. And this is what Paul in chapter 9 is all about. You have the truth. Never back down from the truth no matter what happens. This country needs men and women who are willing to stand up. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's standing up for the truth amidst of people coming against him. But they have nothing else to say about him because he has released it all. Even though as he's defending his rights as as an apostle... They have seen him lay down his rights for the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to do that? That's what Paul's saying. Are we willing to do that? And look at, go on, we can look at Paul's attitude. Look at verse 24. Paul's attitude is to run this race, to receive a prize. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives a prize. So run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is is temperate in all things. Now they do do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we are in it for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I, I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection least lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So he's saying here, I run, I fight. He's related to some sporting events. And sporting events in Corinth was, was huge in that day. And it was very meaningful when the, the Corinthians were listening to this because their, their city was the center of the Isthmus Games. And the Isthmus Games was only second in prestige to the Olympic Games. And so, so this was a big deal in Corinth. And he says, I run in such a way that I may obtain it. And so Paul tells us to train and compete as athletes who are really wanting to win. That we should, we should, and he's talking about the gospel, that I do this really wanting to win this community. I'm an, an apostolic, I'm an apostle here, and I, I want to see transformation in all of Corinth. Am I living my life that way to do it, to win? Or am I living my life in a way not to win? Because he's saying, you know, athletes, they don't, they don't eat certain things. If they're, gonna, if they're really going to win, if they're training, these Olympic athletes, they lay down their freedoms, right? Their freedoms to eat the ho-hos and the Twinkies and everything else. Why? So they can win a prize. But we do it for an unperishable crown. And so you complete, compete as an athlete. That means you do whatever it takes to win that crown. So we have to train to do that. And as an athlete, we refuse things that may be fine in themselves, but we refuse to do them because it would stop us from winning the prize. That heavenly reward. And then Paul says, I discipline my body. Discipline is really a weak translation of this. 
In the Greek, it literally means hit yourself in the eye. Give yourself a black eye. Give your flesh a black eye. To, to push your flesh down and allow the spirit to come up. So Paul didn't want his body to lord over himself. And that's the, that's the problem with a lot of us as believers. The reason the gospel doesn't go forth like it should is because we allow our flesh to rule. Whether it's ruling in fear, right? The fear of man. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want people to think of me as something else, right? That's one of the main reasons. Or I don't want to lay down my freedoms. I don't want to give up my my time, right? My resources, right? And so Paul's saying, he says, he says if you want to win an unperishable crown, you have to do this. You have to train as an athlete. You have to train as somebody who's bringing their body, their flesh, into subjection to the Spirit of God inside of them. To the spirit man. And so Paul lives in such a way that nothing else mattered but the gospel. I mean, the man got stoned. And I'm not talking about with the, the weed. I'm talking about, I mean, with rocks, okay? Yeah, I have to clarify that today. Anyway, he was stoned. And he gets back up and goes back into the same city that stoned him. And his disciples are saying, are we just ready to go to Jesus now? Is that what they're saying? I mean, that, that's, they're, they're thinking, man, this man is crazy, but this man laid everything down for the gospel. And that's our example, to lay everything down. Paul lived his life in such a way that the desires of his body were not going to rule over himself. That's chapter 9. And when I'm reading chapter 9, and I'm, and I'm thinking, I really want to skip over this because, you know, some of the repetitive things of chapter 8, but the Lord begins to deal with me. Am I really laying everything down for the gospel? Here in America, we've, we've made Christianity a little bit different than what Paul was making it. We've made it selfish. We've made it inward. I come and I receive, I receive, I receive. But I'm never giving, 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 giving. And the Lord's saying for us today that we have to make this the main thing. If we really want revival, it's not that you're going to get goosebumps. Real revival is salvation, is transformation, is what the people who have laid the foundation in the past, who started some of the first churches in this area, who prayed over this area, sacrificed for this area, was willing to do it for the gospel's sake. To see this area transformed for the kingdom of God. And as a believer, this is our number one purpose on this earth. Is to see the transformation of lives. And this is what Paul lived this way. And this is what it tells me. I'm going to give you five things here. 
that we must do as a body. Number one, I must do all that I can to reach people for the Lord. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I must do all that I can. I must not let fear, selfishness stop me from winning people to Christ. So how do we do this? It's not going to happen. Be honest with you, just in church services. You know, there's only 52 Sundays out of the year. 52. And I don't think any one of us in here has a perfect attendance record, including myself. So services won't do it alone. Guess what does it? You and I out there every single day and every single moment being led by the Holy Spirit on who to go and minister to, who to go to help, who to go to meet a felt need, who to go to, to, to pray for, who to go to share my testimony with, who to go to to, to invite to my home, my home group in, in September, whatever it is, who to invite to church. I mean, it, it's a multiple, multiple things. It's not just for us to do just evangelistic events here or to just do Sunday services. That's not enough. It has to be 24-7. It has to be every day. It has to consume us. Because there are people out there that don't know Jesus who are living a life that is lost. And they need us. And that's what Paul was willing to lay down his life for. It will happen if we do number two. Number two, I must be willing to give up my time, my resources, and even my freedoms to reach the lost. So what is the Lord telling you to give up? Maybe sometimes we just, we just didn't feel like it going out. Maybe we didn't feel like ministering to somebody. Maybe we didn't feel like doing what we were supposed to do. We have to get rid of that and start going out and putting our flesh down, telling our flesh to shut up, right? And giving up some things and going out and doing it. We have to give up time. We have to give up our resources. We have to be all about the gospel. We have to give. Not only give on a Sunday morning, but give to missions. We have to give to other people who are doing it more and more and who are able to do it more and more full time. We have to be able to do that and not, not complain about it, but do it by faith. I give every day, every, every Sunday I give. And I'm believing for souls every Sunday that I give. That this money is going to be used not only here in our area, but it's going to be used throughout the world. And that's what's happening. We are faithful here to do that. All about the gospel. And whatever freedoms I have, and if it's coming against reaching somebody, I'm going to give it up. It doesn't matter to me because what matters to me most of all and the only things that's really going to change our nation is the heart change of people. That's what's going to change our nation. Because we speak up, we speak out, and we do what's necessary. Number three, Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples. 
and he meant it at all costs. Not when it's convenient. He meant it at all costs. I'm going to go out and do it. I'm going to look for opportunities. Some of you need to start becoming friends with people who don't know Jesus. And stop being afraid of them and condemning them. Go out and meet somebody. Talk to somebody at Quick Trip. Buy their gas. That's a big one right now. That's a big felt need, right? Don't just find these little cars, people, either. Get, get the big ones, too. That's what, that would be me. Who has the smallest tank? I, okay, I'm going to go that one. That must be you, Lord, you know? <laughs> don't, don't, don't look at me like that. You, you think the same way. Let's go after people. Let's invite people to church, right? So how do we do that? Number four, tell people how Jesus changed our life, even if they don't even ask, right? You work it in conversations every day. How many of you meet with, have met with somebody outside of church just just you met for coffee. There was nothing, no agenda, but you just met with coffee or lunch or did something. Raise, raise your hands. Everybody's in there. It's so easy to share the gospel. That as you're talking with them, that you start to share how Jesus changed your life in some way. It's so easy. Just to say, hey, listen, you know what? I know what you're going through, and I've shared what I was going through, but I just know that Jesus is working in my life and I have nothing to worry about because this is what he's done in me this is how he's changed me and this is how he loves me he loves me and he gave his life for me it is so easy just to work it in to every conversation that you have so tell people about Jesus give opportunities for that this host thing of, of being a host for our small groups in September is such a great way to, to bring people to your home, show a video, and share the gospel. So easy to do that, to invite people to your home and, and give them food. Hey, I got food. And listen, I've got this video. I think it's going to encourage us, encourage you. Won't you come and just hang out with us? Invite them. Open up your door to people. So do that this, 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 this fall. Open up your home to people and bring them in. You know, most people aren't afraid to go to your home. They, they may be afraid to come to church here. They don't know if they have to bow when they come in. They don't know. You know, some, some people have never been to church before. But in their home, your home, they just go in there and it's relational. They want relationships. Invite people to church. Make Jesus and what he wants, a priority in your life. Invite people to your home. Invite people to church. Invite people to things. Invite people out for coffee, but share the gospel with them. This is what I want you to do right now. I want you to get out a pen and paper or your phone, or you can do it on the notes that are on the app. But I want you to do something right now for me, every single one, because we're going to be intentional today. I want you to write down some names. Three people, write down three people who may not know Jesus in your life. 
or they may be far away from him in some way. Maybe they knew him at one time, but they're far away from God. I want you to write three people, three names down right now. Go ahead, write down that you know. If you don't have any names, then you're going to ask the Lord right now to give you some names, okay? That you're going to be able to write down later. You're going to meet these people. So I want you to write down three names because I want to pray with them. These may be people who don't know the Lord or maybe people that are far away from Him. And what we're going to do, we're going to pray for them and I want you to pray for them. I want you to be intentional for these three people that you're going to invite out for coffee. You're going to invite to your home or you're going to invite to church, but somehow you're going to minister to them and you're going to believe that they're going to give their lives to Jesus. Amen? How many guys will do that? Right? So let's do that right now. You're writing them down, and I want to pray, okay? So I want you to place your hand over your phone or wherever you wrote them, and if you didn't have anything to write with and you didn't bring your phone, put it on your head, okay? Put your hand on your head, and because it's in your mind, you know them. You wrote them on your, your head or put them on your heart, your hand on your heart. You wrote them on your heart, but I want to pray for them right now because we're going to be an intentional, like, like Paul was, that what matters the most is the spreading of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, so let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we know the truth and the truth has set us free. And now I pray that we would allow what you have given us, Lord, to come out of us and to flow to others, that we won't damn it up, Lord, that we would have divine appointments to share your good news to others. And these names that we have written down, we pray that their hearts would be softened to the gospel and that you would give us opportunities to share with these people. Whether it's through inviting them to coffee or lunch or inviting them to our homes for dinner or even just to the small groups that we're going to be doing in the fall or to invite them to church or wherever it is, we want to be able to have an opportunity to have the gospel shared with them, God. And so I pray that these will know you fully. These names, these three names, by the end of the year, Lord, by the end of 2022, that all three of these names that we have listed here, God, are going to be are going to come and they're going to bow their knees to Jesus and make you their Lord and Savior. And so, Father, we pray we receive boldness right now, not to back down, and we receive love for others as we love ourselves. And I pray that everyone that we meet will come to know you. Father, I pray that you would cause such a revival in us and in, in, this, in this place, Lord, that, that, this, that churches all over this area, this region, will overflow with a wonderful transformation of people in Jesus' name. Now, Father God, that Father God, churches would be completely full multiple times throughout the week, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that you would raise up people and leaders, Lord. Now, Father, because we take this stance today that the gospel is the number one thing and the number one priority in our lives from now on as a believer in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, God, for that. Father God, let us have the heart of a servant. Let us have that heart of Paul, Lord, that he laid down everything for the sake of the gospel of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, God, use me for your glory. 
God, use me for your glory. Say that. God, use me for your glory. Use me, God, to transform lives of people, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you're raising up Billy Grahams in this area, Lord, right now. I pray that you're raising up Reinhard Bonkies in this area right now. The evangelists, God. Father God, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers. I pray that you're raising us all up to do the work of the kingdom, God. To do the work of the Lord. That we no longer just come to church just to receive. If even when we come to church, God, we come to be a minister. We come to be a servant, God. Raise us up to speak your word boldly, clearly, God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, for it in Jesus' name. Everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you never gave him your life. Today's your day. Today's your time. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. He loves you. God sent His only Son on this earth to live a perfect life so He could take all of our sins, all of our wrongdoings upon Himself. So He would take the punishment of everything that we have done wrong so that we might be saved. So we could have a relationship with God again. And God is not mad at you. He's not angry. He wants to have a relationship with you right now. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we might be saved, so we might know him. And if you want to have a relationship with God, you want to have forgiveness of your sin, if you're tired of feeling lonely, you're tired of feeling condemned and shameful and with regret, he's here to take that away from you right now. Give your life to Him. I want to pray for you if you're online or you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. Just pray this prayer after me and give your life to Him. Come as you are and He receives you and He loves you right now. So Father, I pray, repeat this prayer after me. I give my life to Jesus. I make Him the Lord of my life. I believe, God, that He is your son, that he is the son of God and he is Lord. And I give him everything right now. And I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And I repent. I change. I give it all to you right now. And I start this day anew. I give you everything so I can begin a new life in Jesus. So Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. And from this day forward, I will follow you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.